Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. In a game where there were moments that were as ugly as my date to prom's date, the Frogs win 34-32 to over the Cow Bears. Frogs moved to 2-0, not ranked for the second straight week, but hey, they're still receiving votes, and it's better to be 2-0 than 1-1 and 0-2. Frogs are going into a bye week, getting ready for uh, SMU after that, and then straight into Big 12 with Texas Tech, with Texas Tech and OU. We'll see what happens here over the next month. This is the season, boys. Looking forward to talking about that and a whole lot more around the Big 12 and the rest of college football on this episode of the Frogcast. Jeremy Clark, how you doing this evening, my friend? Doing well, man. Got out of there uh, pretty late on Saturday, but it was a. Uh, it's always good to report after a win instead of a loss. Oh, it's got to be better to you know gather those quotes, um, edit those quotes, manufacture four stories around a handful of pieces of information. Um, do, do you have a translator for Coach Patterson? Because he just starts a sentence and wanders <laughs> off and no. then makes some comparison to his dog and his wife and Texas. And then you're like, and that's why we run the 425. Just experience over the years. And a lot of people uh, being around him for a long time, we all, we all kind of get together and try to transcribe as best we can. We all, we all carry the workload. He speaks a very distinct version of Orgeron. You know, it doesn't have the Cajun accent, but it's um, uh, it's an acquired taste. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> what I usually tell people about Gary is if you ask him a question, he says he's not going to answer it. If you listen for about three minutes, he'll answer your question. He'll say, well, I'm not going to say that. And then he'll answer your question. But then he'll get on a different topic for about two minutes. And then what he said he wasn't going to answer, he'll end up answering. He'll probably that- stop doing that now if he hears this. Is, is that why he said something about the Pac-12? Because um, J- Daniel's favorite reporter, uh, Mac Engel, had broken that the Frogs were really close to have been in, being invited to the Pac-12, and that it seems as if that will inevitably happen. And then he starts wondering, he's like, well, I'm not going to talk about how we're playing a Pac-12 team, ha-ha, and then stops talking about it. No, because Drew had asked, because I think they're 8-0 against the Pac-12 now. And he was asking about being undefeated against the Pac-12 and just kind of a general question. And Gary was just kind of like, ah, you're not going to get me to talk about that and this and that. We might get an invite to the Pac-12. And then he starts, we might play football in Mexico. We might. He was just basically making a joke about all the realignment that's going on in college football because really no one really knows. Um, so I think it wasn't anything serious about it. Darn it. I was hoping that you were going to tell me he gave you like a wink and a secret handshake. And nah. we, got, we got a story coming our way that you're sitting on. Now, I can't say anything about this until after it happens. And then I'll give you the nuggets. <laughs> well, I can't talk about that, Jeremy. Oh. Well, in a game that um, increased a lot of stress level for a lot of people, frogs go, you know, obviously the frogs struggle out of the gate. Uh we're, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. But why don't you just give us, you know, just a couple of summary thoughts, especially as the game started as slow as it did, before we break down what we liked, what we didn't like, and what we really, really didn't like. What was your takeaway from the cow game? Well, I mean, we <laughs> – I don't think anyone felt like Cal was going to go in there and score as many points as they did. Uh, they tested TCU vertically, and a lot of, a lot of people are giving C.J. Caesar some um, – Bad heat today, but let me tell you, Hodges Tomlinson was beat deep on a couple of those plays too. So Cal had Cal didn't have any problem testing the uh, defense vertically. Um, they did a great job of uh, addressing that in the first half. TCU um, they they uh, schemed for it in the second half much better. They didn't have as many deep passes. They still gave up one, but um, defensively, I was I was really shocked that they gave up that many points to Cal, especially after Cal only, sc- only scored seventeen against Nevada the the week before. Offensively, you know, I think the the offense it is tough because there was a point where I'm thinking, man, are they ever going to score? Then there was a point where I got to thinking, there's no way Cal's going to stop them. They're they're in a groove right now. They're they're doing some things, and right now I'm kind of in the middle of of, of that. I I still think they're a good offense. I don't think they're a great offense by any means. I think Zach was. Obviously, uh, the, the the good story of the day. Everyone was waiting to see that happen, and when he gets, he showed when he gets a a, a big workload that he's going to 
be able to take the frogs down the field and pretty much carry them on his back. Quentin Johnson had another game, and and I think the guy everyone wants to talk about and, and hear about is Max. And you know, I've been a, a, a very public defender of Max. Um, there's plays where Max looks like a junior, third-year starting quarterback, and there's still plays that he looks like a 18-year-old kid that's making his first collegiate start. Um, I think when we all look at the game and we all watch it, we we want to talk about the deep throws, and that's obviously something he's got to fix. I mean, Gary talked about it in the post game last night. Max talked about it, which I was pretty impressed with. Max knows he's having an issue there, um, but he's on the field for a reason. There, he's on the field in front of Matthew Downing. He's on the field, and please quit bringing up Chandler Morris, guys. He is he's the third string guy. He he got beat out Matthew Downing before he can get on the field before Max Max Duggan. So. You, you Morris guys, you're going to have to wait a while before you see any of that. So, um, just a few takeaways. It, it to me, it was a, it was a win. 34-32 wasn't. I predicted TCU to score 34. I didn't predict Cal to score 32. I pretty, predicted 17, I think. But um, it's a win. They're two and zero, and that's all you can ask for. It is a win. They're two and zero. That's all you can ask for. And they got a win over a power five. Um, team that yeah, I don't know what are they comparable to like a I think they're better than Oklahoma State right now I mean Oklahoma State does not look good they're better than Kansas State who um, uh, we'll talk about this in a second looks like Skylar Thompson's out for the year um, they're they're not better than Oklahoma they're probably they're not better than Iowa State but we'll talk about Iowa State uh, they might be better in Texas but who knows but that's a that's a win they put on the board I know that Cal is zero and two I I get that I'm not I'm not trying to turn them into the eighty five Bears. But I would not. I still would not be surprised if they if they go six and four the rest of the season and make a bowl. So, and, and the Pac-12 North is pretty weak. Other than or- there's Oregon and then there's what? So we'll see. We'll just have to keep an eye out there in Northern California as the rest of the season goes and see see how this win measures up as the rest of the grind continues. Well, Jeremy, we're going to look at the good the bad, and the ugly. You've already kind of highlighted a couple of notes here, but um, give me one thing that you were really impressed with from Sunday or from Saturday and tell us why this is important for the Frogs going forward. I was really impressed with Zach. I mentioned it earlier, but we, we finally got a chance to see what Zach could do when he was the key running back. Um, Amari with DiMercardo was out, um, and I think a lot of people um, pretty much were celebrating that because they knew – the workload was going to be increased for Zach. And I was told before the game, Zach was going to get more carries, but I didn't expect him to get 22, but you got to ride the hot hand. And obviously he was breaking tackles. He was running over guys, obviously outrunning guys. I think that's a, a huge bright spot. Um, I think uh, moving forward, we'll see more carries for Zach. And the way Gary kind of was talking about him after the game, I know he made a comment that typically they u- like to use him around 10 to 12 carries. I think a lot of people are taking that out of context. I'm not, I don't think he's saying he's going to get 10 to 12 carries the remainder of the season each game. Um, I, I feel like I feel like Gary was was just as impressed as, as everyone else with the way Zach played, and uh, and he was ready to tell everyone about it. I mean, he was he was kind of uh, talking about how no one was giving Zach any preseason pub and no buzz or anything like that, and. You know, Jeremiah made a good point on the board today. Is you know, got to look yourself in the mirror on that one, Coach, because you guys are the ones not playing them. So, um, I think moving forward, you're going to see more carries from Zach, and the way he runs, that's a good thing. Yeah, obviously Zach Evans um, is is the highlight of this game. This is the biggest takeaway. Hey, you get an amazing player and you give him the ball, and he's going to rack up 190 yards rushing. That's an 8.6 average. Um, and then that touchdown run at the end of the first half, I don't know where the Frogs would have been without that. So not only was he able to, you know, carry the ball well every time he put the ball in his belly, he thought he's going to get at least five yards, scooting out to six, eight, ten. But that that 51-yard run at the end of the half, um, isn't that what Frog fans have been waiting for in the year and two games since they had, since they had their first real five-star put on the helmet for the Frogs? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we saw flashes of it last year. The The run against Baylor was pretty good, and obviously the run against Louisiana Tech was really good on the last game of the year. Um, we, all, we all know Zach has that type of ability. We know he can run over people, and we also know he's going to run away. I mentioned early in the season or before, during the summer that Zach is the fastest running back they have on the roster, and he obviously showed that breakaway speed on that 51-yard run. So that was huge. That was just a, 
a humongous play for him. They're they're down nineteen seven. Um, and what was what was really surprising is Cal had the ball and and Gary called a timeout after the first down. They got to stop at one thirty five, and I was kind of shocked. I made a comment. I mean, I'm shocked that he used a timeout. He still had three timeouts on the board, and he uh, he actually called one. I figured they were just going to run into the half and not try to give you know let Cal score any more points, but. Um, props to Zach and props to the offensive line creating a huge running lane. And uh, I don't think Cal really expected that. You know, they were playing a kind of a prevent pass defense, and Zach just ran by all of them. Well, if we recognize that Zach Evans is obviously the the player of the game, for a lack of a better term, something that Frog fans should be excited to see. I want to give a shout out not only to Quentin Johnston, who had you know two big touchdown pa- uh, receptions. He had that forty-five yard long, uh, that one for forty-five yards, and not only did he haul in five five receptions. Uh, I want to go with Blair Conright. This is you know three-star wide receiver out of Lubbock. Uh, Tech didn't want him. These are the kind of wide receivers that the Frogs need. You're going to clearly focus on Quentin Johnston and. Zach Evans, shut those two down. You think you got you don't have anything else? I was really impressed with Conrad. He had you know three receptions um, for fifty two yards. Obviously had that big uh, reception for thirty yards. Had that nice touchdown reception. I think the frogs have to feel good about the way they utilize their weapons at wide receiver. We still got a ways to go, but Johnston Cartwright, I think even Spielman played. Uh, I, I was I was kind of impressed with him, even though he wasn't able to you know go out there and call in four passes. But I feel good between them and then Darius Davis, wide receiver core. That's pretty good. I, I feel good about what we saw on that side. Anything else that you think is worth um, highlighting and celebrating before we um, take a dip into what maybe needs to be improved? Uh, I'm trying to think of anything good defensively. You know, I thought the offensive line play, uh, offered pretty good protection. Yeah, that is one thing. They 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 started slow. I think um, people are going to remember when the guy was basically holding on to Max and he threw it out of bounds and got an intentional grounding. But um, for the most part, they did a good job protecting him. He had to scramble around a little bit. But if I remember right, I think they might have only got one sack. Um, but – it was it was early in the game, struggled a little bit, but as the game progressed, they they improved. And just to add on to uh, what you were talking about with Blair Conright, he is becoming that clutch receiver. He, he pulled down a couple a good third down catches, and uh, I asked Max about it after the game if he's becoming that guy that he's starting to rely and trust on on those those conversions. And and you could tell that he's really getting comfortable throwing to Blair and, and Blair, despite playing with. Uh, Tay and, and Darius and JD, he's becoming a real weapon at that slot position. Anything from the defensive side of the ball that we can um, at least acknowledge went better than planned? Um, we're going to talk about what didn't go well here in a second, but anybody that you think is worth uh, mentioning that played well? Obviously, we get that big sack from D winners that that happened when we needed it the most. Anybody yeah. else? And he had a good sack by LaKendrick, um, but you really can't talk. <laughs> too high about the secondary you can't talk too high about the defensive line I mean they did a good job of um, limiting Cal's rushing offense but when you when you don't get any type of pass rush and you know, Gary said they did a max protection um, with Cal they they usually had a, a tight end in there to to protect so they basically had six on four most of the game um, and that's why that garbage kid had so much time to throw but They've got to improve in that area, but we'll get to that in the in the bad and ugly. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears then. You know, Frogs did win by two, but there were plenty of things. With I'm sure Coach Patterson, when he listens to this podcast, is going to get his notebook out, write down all the suggestions that we make, all the feedback that I might give. Uh, what what did not go well that was obvious? Remember, we have two categories here. We have bad and we have ugly. What What just did not go well to a layman's eye like ours? Mm. <laughs> there's there wasn't like uh there was good and there was just downright ugly i'm trying to think of bad um i mean well, overall I'm, i mean overall you want to say the defensive line not getting any kind of rush it wasn't ugly i mean because they they did like i said they did limit cows rushing offense um but the fact they didn't get any kind of uh quarterback sacks from their positions whether it was a Defensive tackle. I think Corey Bethley 
and Dylan Horton were the only two that got any kind of quarterback hurry, and you didn't get any kind of uh, hurries from O'Shawn Mathis um, or any other other defensive tackles. So you, you've got to improve in that area. If you're going to play a four-two-five defense, you've got to have some type of pressure on the quarterback. You can't have a quarterback sit back and have four or five seconds to throw and, and scan the field and throw passes 50 yards downfield at will. Um, that's just got to be fixed. Uh, trying to think. Hodges Tomlinson's play wasn't ugly, but it was bad. Um, anyone that watches that game, if you can't say that Hodges Tomlinson played good. I mean, he got beat deep twice himself. He would have got beat deep a third time, but the ball went completely through the receiver's hands and miraculously bounced off the guy's knee, and it looked like uh, Travius might have got an interception, but they reviewed it, and it turned out that it hit the ground. But, I mean, that was that was another play that they were going to give up deep. So both corners are struggling. I would say right now, Hodges Tomlinson, he's not playing very good. And Gary said right now they're they're getting beat. They keep get looking back in the backfield. And when he's talking about cornerbacks, he's not just talking about CJ. He's talking about both of them. They're both getting caught looking back in the backfield. There was one play that play I mentioned where um, the kid just dropped the pass. He Hodges Thomason just got straight up beat on a little out and up route, and he he went he he broke on the out. And he's I think he's trying to key too much in making interceptions. He's not playing the fundamentally sound technique that he played last year. I think he's just trying to be that big play guy. Um, not to say he's read a lot of the clippings or anything like that, but I'm just he he struggled a little bit. He struggled against Duquesne. He, he got beat deep once against Duquesne, and luckily the quarterback couldn't get the ball to the guy. Um, but he's right now through through two games. I haven't looked to see what his uh, his PFF uh, percentage is, but I, I got to think it's nowhere close to what it was last year at this time. So he, he's got to improve and, and, uh, so does his buddy across the field, Caesar. Well, let me tell you what was bad. I counted five downfield passes to the sideline from max that he connects on one of them. Every one of them that he connects on is a touchdown or a, a drive changer. And it might have been three touchdowns and two drive changers. So I, that was bad. I, you, like you said, we can't decide if Max is a third-year starter or if he is, um, you know, a, a first-year starter. So I don't know. I, I guess my question is, and I don't want to sound like, you know, message board guy, is this just what it is? Or is there improvement to be made? Is it somewhere in between? Because what we're experiencing is not what, or I, my, my hunch is what Max is doing is not what he wants to do. He wants to see improvement. What is the barrier between Max throwing that ball seven yards past uh, Quentin Johnston for a touchdown versus making that pass, connecting it, and him watching him waltz into the end zone and bow to everybody in the end zone? I, I don't know. That That's a good question. Um, repetition. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Maybe it's just uh, game adrenaline. I don't I don't really know. Um, and I was going to mention it because I don't have it as bad. I have it as ugly <laughs> because I was at the game and, and maybe you guys didn't see a lot of things on TV, but some of those passes were just downright ugly. And I think he would even come on here and tell you, yeah, I didn't, I didn't throw the ball good. And, and he took ownership in it in the post game presser. I mean, Dewey Scruggs was kind of drilling him about it. And he's like, yeah, I probably missed on four or five passes that I should have completed. And he knows about it. It's not like he's, playing it off and obviously Gary knows about it because that's one of the first things he mentioned so um I, I don't know how you fix it Jeff I mean just just repetitions and I can't think that it's going to be like that the whole year um if it if, if it is like that the whole year and you and you have defenses that continue to give you the vertical pass and your receivers are getting by them then maybe you do have to look at maybe making a change at quarterback maybe making a guy who could throw a little bit uh, better downfield but he, it's so crazy because it's kind of like I was talking to someone about it. it's like it's like playing golf or, or bowling. You know, you may suck completely at golf. You may suck at bowling, but something makes you uh, keep going back. It, it you might get you might hit a tee shot and it goes thirty yards into the woods, and the next next uh, hole you might hit it three hundred down the middle, and so it keeps you keeps you wanting to come back. And that's how I look at Max. There's there's something about Max where he'll throw a ball. And it's so far off. You're like, how in the world do you miss that pass? 
but then he'll come back. He'll either make a great run or he'll scramble, make a great throw. That that pass to Blair Conrad, the 30-yard touchdown, was on the money. That 18-yard touchdown to Quentin Johnson went to the only spot where Quentin can get it. It was out of the reach of the defender, but it was perfect for Quentin. He, he had to jump up barely to, to catch it. That 33-yard run, his nine-yard, he, he, he'll make plays that will make you want to keep going back to see what else he can do. But it's kind of like playing golf and, and going bowling. You got to live right now with shanking one into the woods and throwing a gutter ball. I, I don't know what else. And until he gets more repetitions, it's it's not perfection right now. Well, if I had it as bad and you have it as ugly, then I'm just going to go ahead and agree with you and say that it's ugly. I was trying to be polite and generous to a, a quarterback <laughs> I believe in because, as you said, I mean, this he's is from Iowa. You're, he, he's the only reason Iowa. you said bad because he's I from know, Iowa. And, I know. Hey, listen, I and I could say it's ugly, and, and Max is an awesome guy, and and me, me and Max have a great relationship. And I, I like I said, I think he would even come on here and tell you the same thing. Man, I've got, I've got to get better at it. I've I've got he'll 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 take one hundred percent ownership in what he's doing. That's if if you if you want to to give the guy props about anything, he knows he's got to fix it. He does, and trust me, he's not in there um, playing Xbox or playing his PS Five right now. No, he's he's probably trying to figure out ways to get better. He's taking every chance he could get. Maybe throw to a receiver. Maybe throw deep balls by himself to a net. I I don't know, but he's he's going to do whatever it takes to get better. I promise you that. All right, what else do you have in the ugly category? We've got Max's deep balls. I got pass rush in the in the um, I got pass rush from the defensive ends in the ugly. That has been noticeably absent for two straight weeks. So yes, what you, you agree with me? What what do you think is yeah. missing there? Well, against against Cal, I can say Max protection probably helped them out a little bit. Um, Duquesne, I really don't have a a good answer. I mean, they they should have. You know, teams like that, you want to get at least four or five sacks. Um, and maybe when you start playing these teams that spread it out a little bit more, because, you know, you know, Cal was pretty much, uh, they, they ran 11 personnel. They always seemed like they had a tight end in there most of the game um, to help out blocking because they knew that they had good rushers. And the thing about it is, too, Dylan Horton is good, but uh, Kyrie Coleman is awesome he's he's a gamer i mean he's big 12 freshman of the year defensive freshman of the year for a reason so have not having him out there is hurting a little bit when you got a guy like that that is taking uh, you know getting people focusing on him they're going to take away their their pressure on mathis and that's how mathis started to have a good year too last year so him coleman not being out there is is hurting a little bit but i i got the other ugly is cj caesar's um, play uh, defending the vertical ball. I mean, I love CJ, but he's str- he's he's struggling too. Both 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 corners are. You know, there's Caesar's giving up more big plays. They're looking in the backfield. They're they're doing whatever. Um, you could say, well, that first play he got beat on. The guy pushed off on him. He was already he was already behind him anyway. I mean, the guy the guy was beating him. So they've got they've got to get better. Um, defending the vertical pass because I promise you Sonny Docks and all those SMU coaches right now on offense are lick, licking their chops. They're going to go vertical. They got Reggie Robertson. They got Danny Gray. They're going to go vertical on them all day long if they can. One other thing I would add to the ugly, um, Cal's special teams, especially in the point after. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Man, that that's the that's the ball game right there. That's the ball game, man. Yeah. When, you, when you go chasing points and then taking points off the board, that's that's a tough spot to be in, man. That is a tough spot to be in. So frogs kind of got bailed out. I think. I hope we don't forget that. I mean, obviously a a two point game is, is coin toss, but man, Cal extra points. I don't know that uh, Jeremy Wilcox should get a uh, pay raise for his management of extra points in the TCU game. <laughs> I'll say this, you know, when they, they played and, and struggled as bad as they did, the, the other ugly thing was Max's pick six. I mean, that that safety just read him perfectly. He knew he, that's where he was going, read him perfectly. They they were down 12 nothing, and and they were able to come back. I mean, the, the, the second half was, was really good for them, and, and really the way they played in the second quarter was really good. So second quarter on, um, they they played like, 
they wanted to be out there. The first quarter, they they didn't look motivated, uh, didn't look like they had any energy at all. Um, they can't do like they can't be like that this year. They they've got to come out start fast. So as much as we want to nitpick at them and wasn't a perfect game and, and probably let some of our expectations down, they still scored 34 against what's a pretty good defense. They've got some pretty good athletes on that defense. Wilcox is a defensive coach. If you look at the rest of their schedule, I think they're going to be able to hold some teams down. Would not surprise me if they hold a lot of teams to under 20. I mean, Nevada is a high scoring offense and they scored 22 against Cal. So um, you got there's there's silver lining in some spots, and if, and you got to imagine if 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 it's just a little bit different, if it's five yards shorter, five yards inside TCU. The the good thing about it is we're always talking about how come TCU receivers seem like every time they're running routes they got they're getting blanketed and we can't get separation, we can't do this or that. There's wide open guys running, so there's something in the offense that's changing. It's just about execution right now. So. Think of it as a positive that way. You miss a few passes, miss three or four passes. We could have very easily been looking at a, a TCU offense that scored 50-something points. We know they had 500 yards offense. We know they had almost 300 yards rushing. So, I mean, they're they're getting they're, – they've got a pretty good balance right now that's going on, and um, that that's something to be looking forward to because I think last year when we looked at the games and they'd get behind – 12 nothing everyone's are this game's over it's over everyone everyone's already in that panic mode because they knew their offense could not move the football they knew max couldn't throw the ball consistently so when you're down 12 nothing against a team like cal whether we want to give them credit or not cal is still an fbs program from a power five conference that has good athletes that are known to play good defense and tcu was able to come back clawed their way back Ended up scoring 34, had a lot of yards of offense. And right now, the the, the main focus for me is they got to figure out how to stop those opposing offenses. They got to figure out, stop giving away the deep ball, stop stop giving up 40-yard uh, passes <laughs> every possession. So if they get that figured out, I still have a lot of high expectations for this team. Yeah, I was going to save for its own category that pick six because it's I didn't even see the the D back when he let the ball go, and I'm like, don't throw. Oh, yeah, not his <laughs> well, he, that D back was actually covering um, whoever the slot was. He was over the slot, and so he was kind of he was kind of staying in between Quentin and it might have been Blair. I can't remember. It might have been Blair. He might have been playing in between there, but there was still a corner over over Quentin. So. It's kind of like the guy saw it coming. That play call, whether it was a play call or whether it was Max making that throw, yeah, that that was extremely ugly because it's a third and 16, and what good does throwing a five-yard stop route do for your offense? I mean, you're it does nothing. So I, at that point, I would have just ran a draw to Zach, tried to get you about three or four yards and have a little bit more room to punt. All right, I got one last ugly, and this came from a, a friend of the podcast. He, he uh, messaged me late in the game, even when it looked like TC was going to win. But he had this question that he, that he said is, is kind of his concern when he looks at this team, not just execution, not just X's and O's. But he says, who on this team are you kind of worried he is going to get in a fight? Like who, who, <laughs> who is going to run their mouth just a little bit? Who's gonna, you know, take a minute and maybe put his knee in the wrong spot getting up? Who who are you worried about? So I just kind of ran through in my head. All right. Remember West Virginia in 17? John DR scores the touchdown, gets up, steps over both of those deep that over that D back in the end zone. Do you remember the Baylor game in 2017? Ross Blacklock lampoons a guy from behind right in front of Matt Rule. Davion Pearson, Texas Tech game, 2015. Uh, he's getting water bottles thrown at him, and he's maybe throwing a punch at Patrick Mahomes underneath the <laughs> underneath the pile. Joey Hunt. Uh, I always was living in fear that Garrett Wallow was going to go all by you on somebody. <laughs> Who on this team are you worried? Like, hey, hey, you hit him, you knocked him down, you you got to pop in, but but don't grab his throat when you're getting up. There, there's a lack of of killer instinct that I am have, have observed. Because when he wrote me that, I was like, yeah, that's absolutely right. That, that That's absolutely right. 
I'm not saying like these men couldn't destroy me with one hand tied behind their back, but that that killer instinct, that fear of like, oh, don't, don't hit him twice, you know, don't 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 yeah. push up off his neck. It's not there right now. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I know that's kind of yeah. a yeah. but I think it's accurate. Well, two of those guys you mentioned were defensive tackles. So defensive tackle always worries me. Um, number one, they worry me because they don't get to the quarterbacks very much. They've got a pretty much a thankless job. All they got to do is plug a gap and, and hopefully stop the run. Um, they don't get asked to sack the quarterbacks. They they get asked to take pressure away so the ends can sack. So my my issue is please don't let them hit the quarterback late. Okay. And then the second issue is if an offensive lineman is just kicking his ass, defensive tackles usually get pissed off. So I could see them getting in. Now with TCU's players, I mean, you got the good thing with them is they've got a lot of experience. Terrell Cooper, Corey Bethley, they're fifth-year seniors. They know better. Patrick Jenkins or Earl Barquette, he, they're a little bit younger, so you, you kind of hope they don't do something. But if there's a guy, and, and this is going to sound bad when I say this, but he's playing with a lot of hype right now. I think it's Tomlinson. Tomlinson's going to probably be the guy that's going to get a unsportsmanlike or something taunting or something. I, I just I just see it coming because he's the one that plays with the most emotion right now on defense, and it's not even a question. So sometimes the emotions get the best of you, and um, it, it comes at a wrong time. So hopefully I'm wrong in that, and uh, we don't ever have to worry about it. But that would be my guess right now. And I'm not talking bad about him. I just know he's a very emotional guy. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned at the open practice that they had back in um, early August, you know, he made he made a couple plays and he was out there chirping pretty good. And uh, so much so that Gary had to kind of get on him a little bit. So uh, he's he's playing with a lot of emotion right now. And and quite honestly, he's he's got a lot of uh, he had a lot of preseason hype. And so maybe he thinks he needs to play off of that. I don't I don't know. But that would be my guess for now. You know, not to keep throwing back to what was, I, I think it was Landy, uh, Landry Berline. I, I don't want to quote him, so I, I won't attribute it to him, but I thought it was him. He was doing a sideline hit in the Texas Tech game out there in Lubbock in 2015, late in the game. You remember what a back and forth that was. And they're like, what do you got for us? And he goes, well, I, I, I just heard Davion Pearson uh, say they need to go out and do something that might be illegal in the state of, in the city of Lubbock. So we'll just go back to you, Estridge. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the problem with, with uh, Davion Pearson was he probably would have done it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that's my I want to see I want to see that that killer instinct rise up. I don't I don't want to I don't want to late hit on the quarterback after a third down after they're forcing a three and out, but I I would like to see an escalation of the intensity. So. Oh, I got one more play that was an ugly. I can Go for I it. can't believe I forgot about this one. Um so <laughs> this was a huge huge third and third and I think it was 13 play. Uh third and 14 play Cal had and I think they were on the 40 TCU 40. And they go back to pass, and the running back l- runs a little will. Well, two linebackers took off with the running back, and that left Chase Garbers absolutely no one to account for his running ability, and he ran for 18 yards in an easy first down. That was the ugliest defensive call that I think – I call, execution, whatever. That was the worst. Um, other than the, give, the, the deep passes that were given up, that was the worst defensive play of the game. Well, I got to say, at least we had one man on the wheel route, and maybe <laughs> Patterson decided, you know what, we're never going to get beat on the wheel route again. Yeah. Remember, remember that movie, Necessary Roughness? Oh, yeah. All right, so the first time that whoever Texas State was playing before there was a real Texas State, they sent a guy in motion, and everybody's like, I got the motion. I got, And there's like seven guys yeah. over him. Double maybe wing, double, double wing. Double wing, double wing. Maybe that's Patterson's approach to the wheel route. Now we're never going to get beat on the wheel route again. We got four guys on them. You want to hear a cool story? Necessary roughness. Oh, um, I absolutely. Slash, slash Jeremy Clark story. It's necessary roughness. Then the Godfather. Then Schindler's List. Three greatest movies ever. <laughs> so I was probably I can't even remember when that movie came out. I just know I was young enough, and we rode our bikes everywhere. And I remember one of my buddies in our neighborhood saying. There's all kinds of buses and trucks and everything else down the road from us. And so we're all like, okay, let's go ride our bikes down. So it was like a three mile 
ride on her bike. But the farm scene where what's his face, the quarterback where the coach comes out to the farm and talks to the quarterback about coming to play, that was shot right down the road from my house here in Azle, Texas. No kidding. Yeah. Well, can't that, that that's Scott, your ba- Scott Baculus Baculus Farm. Scott Bacula, uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That, well, that, that, that's your brother. Now there's now you would never know it was there because there's all kinds of houses around it now. Mm-hmm. All right, give us an update on two guys everybody wants to know about: um, Kari Coleman, Noah Daniels. We've got a bye week. Will they be back for SMU in your professional assessment? Gary said they possibly could be back. Um, I've I've heard with Coleman, SMU was kind of the the game that everyone felt like he was going to be back with Noah. I don't know, man. I'm just telling you right now. I don't know when he'll be back. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't know what else to say about it. You know, when he's out there, he'll be out there. That's what I could say. When he's out there, he'll be out there. That sounds good. That's about the best we've got. So anybody wanting to know, Hey, tell me the inside scoop. Uh, you know, you're not going to hear about it. That's just what, what everybody needs to accept. Right. Uh, all I can say is I've I've got a, a ton of messages about it and a few people I really really trust um, have told me some told me some stuff that's going on um, as far as why he's not playing. I don't think it's a health issue whatsoever. Um, that's just me, um, but we'll see how it goes. All right, we will see how it goes. Well, Jeremy, there were some other football games around the the country today or yesterday. Let's go ahead and uh, highlight a couple of them. A couple of them obviously have impact in the Big 12. But one of them was an SEC team against a future SEC team. Is there anything better than watching 74,000 drunk Arkansas fans chant SEC after they run Texas off the field? I don't mean fight one squeeze one out late in the game i don't mean block a punt and do an onside kick i mean control the game from the get-go texas goes down to arkansas up there in fayetteville jeremy that was a beatdown of epic proportion i didn't get a chance to watch that game until the on the way home i got to see um a little bit of the third quarter and some of the fourth quarter i was listening to it on the way home and Craig Wade did not sound too happy. He was not his typically energetic self when he's calling the Texas games. Um, but from what I've seen in the highlights and, and everything else, you're right. I mean, didn't Arkansas run for over 300 yards against them? Almost 400, something crazy. Yes, it was It was, It was. was insane. I mean, I, I'm pulling the stats up now. This is a great podcasting moment. But, yeah, Arkansas just ran all over Texas. So, let's see here. We're looking at um, – Arkansas ran for 333 yards. <laughs> yeah, Arkansas ran for 333 yards, and Texas had 256 yards total. Arkansas put up 471 yards, 333 of them on the ground. Now, we always have to temper this with, you know who the offensive coordinator is at Texas, don't you? Uh, isn't that the head coach? Uh, Kendall Bryles. Oh, I thought you said Texas. No, I'm sorry, at Arkansas. I, 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 I yeah, I knew Kendall Bryles. You were throwing yeah. me off there. Yeah, I, yeah. I made a mistake there. I, take yeah, fingers. I, coach Take yeah, fingers. fingers. Daniel's favorite coach in the history of the Big 12 and the SEC. So, three hundred good game. <laughs> called a good game. You know who did not play well? Hudson. Yeah, Card. Hudson Card. Hudson Card yeah. did not play well. Now, well, I there was there was always serious. There was there was a lot of debate from the Texas fans on whether or not Sar- Sarkeesian even made the right choice because you know they looked at Casey Thompson from last year. Obviously, played really well in the bowl game and. Obviously, he played. I mean, your Arkansas has got a big lead, so they're going to play a little bit. Um, they're they're going to keep the middle of the field open, not let Texas run the out of bounds play, stop the clock, whatnot. But I think Casey Thompson, in his limited time, everyone felt that he played a lot better than Hudson Card, and seems to be there's going to be some type of quarterback controversy down there in Austin this week, and 
you know that's never a good thing when there's a quarterback controversy going on. No, it's not. I I want to go on a little riff here, and I want to I want to quote one of my favorite theologians, uh, Ricky Bobby here. Um, w- with all due respect, I know I I know there's some Texas fans that I interact with on Twitter that are great people that have a real honest assessment of the last ten years of Texas football, and then there's some for whom the worse they were the year before means that they're about just one step away from, you know, being the 85 Bears, the 72 Dolphins. Or, you know, if they could just make one more block, they'd be, they'd be Alabama. Um, or one more coaching change away from being Alabama. This week, I read an article where one Texas writer said, if you want to know what Hudson Card is game is like, just go watch Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, I don't know that I'd lay that on a freshman that started one game. Wow. I know. And then uh, there are more than a few um, experts in the football by, by their own in their own. That's a self-described title, experts of college football that are always harping on on how great Texas is. And that, you know, regardless of what they do on the field, they're a better program than everybody else. And after that week one win over Louisiana, which is a good win. There's no need to deny that. But why don't you just say it's a good win rather than talk about. You know, I think this is the year we're going to knock OU off, and nobody else in the in the conference is really going to be a challenge to us. Now they might they might go eight and four, they might go nine and three, but all I know is that might still be the worst team in the SEC West. They still might yeah. be the worst team in the SEC West, and they got clobbered at the line of scrimmage. They got those are Chad Morris recruits taking the wood to Texas. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, I wish I'd have got chance to see this game more because i i kind of love it when the texas i got a lot of buddies that are texas fans and um, a lot of them are suspecting 10 wins and they get that 10 win total based off based off last year because they were so close in games and i think you and i talked about this a couple weeks ago jeff they were so close in so many games yet they fire the coach that (laughs) i mean there there was never tom herman I don't think ever lost a game like that while he was the head coach at Texas. No, you know what um, the worst loss Herman had at, at Texas was? Was it like twenty six? I can't remember what it was. It was the twenty. Uh, it was the twenty seventeen game at TCU. His first year. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. I, it was twenty four to seven. Remember, Darius Davis took that touchdown and just right, right, Brandon Jones out of his jockstrap. That was the worst loss Tom Herman had. Um, you know they've. Gosh, man, everybody on the board, you go ahead and rip into me all you want. They fired Tom Herman because he told the players they didn't have to sing the eyes of Texas, not because he went eight and three or or whatever he went last year, nine and three. It was all off-field stuff. It was boosters not being aligned with the AD, with the coach. Mm -hmm. You know, Herman is – I think he's a pretty good coach. I think he's a weirdo, but, you know, he he had a good team last year and he could have had a good team this year. And I, I don't think Tom Herman goes up there and gets 333 yards put on him. I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. That was the knock on Herman is because the boosters didn't like him. And from what I gather, he didn't really like the boosters either. Wanted to run. And that's why I, every time I heard, you know, we used to hear Gary being mentioned as a candidate for Texas. Those two would not get along. It's like water and oil the Texas boosters and Gary, their personalities would, would not mend. Uh, and he, he would not be able to stand it down there, but Herman, um, I felt like he was a good coach. I don't know, know him well enough to know if he's a weirdo or anything, but I heard enough people kind of claim that he was, and I, and I heard enough people claim that he was extremely arrogant. Um, and, and that could come off, uh, the wrong way to some people. Um, but he was, uh, coming off a season where they 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 go eight and three and won their bowl game by a lot, but it was like they were just waiting for that excuse to get rid of them last year, and that Iowa State loss was the excuse. And uh, I feel, you know, if they if they go out and they win six or seven games this year, that's karma. That's perfect. I you know that 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 would be so good for for Tom Herman because you you get what you wish for and. Uh, Texas Texas boosters thinking Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian was a hot name. He did hire a great coaching staff. But guess what? You don't have Devontae Smith out there. You don't have Jalen Waddle. You don't have Mac Jones, who 
I think everyone is kind of realizing now that Mac Jones is a really good quarterback. He went up to New England and he's starting for you know his, his rookie season. So really good quarterback, really good offensive line that guess what could push around an SEC defensive line, which Texas couldn't do on Saturday. And you you have just an assortment of weapons to choose from. And Texas doesn't have that on offense right now. You've got two unproven quarterbacks, really. You've got a really good running back, but you have an offensive line that is rebuilding. You, you have receivers that are fast, but they're not Smith and Waddle fast. And that's, that's going to, that's going to be different. I think if you look at um, that game, it's not necessarily just the, the way Arkansas ran completely over them. It's the lack of offense Texas had. And isn't that the reason why they hired Sarkeesian? They they didn't even score. It was, what was it, like 30? They scored seven points. They had seven points through three quarters and didn't score two touchdowns until the fourth quarter. And if I'm, if I'm not right, forgive me, but isn't that the, pretty much the whole reason why they hired Sark is because he's an offensive guy? Yeah, they, they, were they, down, they, they were down yeah. 16 nothing at half. And then, you know, they got, you know, they scored a touchdown in the third and then, by the time you get to the fourth quarter, Arkansas is just like, hey, take your time. We'll give you seven yards. Yeah, that's game. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. They, they left the middle of the field completely open so you can let Texas get those plays. Hey, we love it. The clock's going to keep running. I mean, we'll give you that all day long. So it's kind of like I, I was impressed with the way Arkansas moved the ball on offense on them. They've got some serious issues on defense, but you better look at that offense too. they got some serious issues on offense, and you're bringing in a guy – bringing in him in and, and signing him to a big contract um, for a skill set that he has, and that's coaching offense. You better get your offense together. And uh, he did not have it together on Saturday. And that's against a team that wasn't really well known to be a defensive team last year. Now, I will say I will say, uh, Barry Odom is a really good defensive coordinator, and uh, he's, he's probably going to end up getting another head coaching job somewhere. And they, they, with him being there, they're going to be extremely good on defense. But Texas better shape up on offense, that's for sure. You think TCU has problem on problems on offense? It ain't near as bad as what Texas has. Yeah, it's nothing compared to what Texas has. All right, let's look at one of the other games that was of real national consequence in the Big Twelve. Um, Jeremy, my boy, did not live up to his end of the bargain. Iowa State loses to Iowa, 27-17. First I told time, you. I know. They were both ranked in the top ten. First time ever that those two teams have ever both been in the top ten when they play, which is really not surprising considering the history of Iowa State. Uh, yeah, the, Frog, or the, the Cyclones lose 27-17. Maybe the most telling storyline, Brock Purdy got benched. I heard about that. Brock Purdy got benched. You know, everybody's hyping him up. And, um, yeah, Brock Purdy got benched. Brees Hall runs for 69 yards. He needs to get up over 100 yards. And he fumbled. And he fumbled, yeah. And and, and Iowa State toward, scored a touchdown late in, in mop-up time when they were just trying to kneel the, kneel the clock – or not kneel the clock out. But they, they scored late when it didn't matter. So it could have been 27-10. That, Iowa was in control of that game from the get-go. Matt Campbell got out coached by the only coach that's uh, has a longer tenure than Gary Patterson, and that's Kirk Ferentz. And the man, Kirk Ferentz, might not they they might know what they're doing still. Yeah, they still might know what they're doing. I mean, if if, if Iowa rolled out a team every year between now and 20, 2030 and won nine games every year, you wouldn't be shocked, would you? No. You know, they lose to Ohio State and maybe lose a dogfight to Penn State, beat Michigan. You know, obviously they're going to beat uh, Nebraska and beat everybody else in the Big Ten West, except maybe Wisconsin. But Ference is just a killer coach, and that's all that it is. I mean, they, Campbell got out coached, and the Cyclones got outplayed. We didn't we bet a Del Frisco stake for that game? Didn't you have Iowa State and I had Iowa? No, I had a Dairy Queen appetizer that we bet on that game. Okay, well, it. our Dairy Queen's closed out here, so you're gonna have to go somewhere else. Oh, man. No, but I, I mean, after Iowa put a whooping on Indiana, Mara, I was talking about that last week. Oh, yeah. Indiana, you know, everyone's talking about how good a team they were and drinking that Kool-Aid, and Iowa just put it on them. So I'm thinking, man, Iowa might have something and just doing a little bit more research on what they have. And they're they're going to be a, a good opponent this year for, for a lot of teams. And I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year we're talking about them possibly um, playing in the Big Ten Championship. I would not be um, 
I would not be surprised they're playing in the big they're, – they're, they're in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West, in yeah. my opinion, because, you know, uh, Penn State beat Wisconsin, so Wisconsin's already got a W, and I, I don't see anything out of the ch- Nebraska or Illinois or <laughs> Northwestern that, yeah. that, that's telling me that they can't uh, – they can't uh, win the Big Ten. Win the Big Ten West. The honeymoon in Illinois is definitely over. They're one oh, and two is. now. Yeah, they just got they got killed by Virginia on Saturday. I think we lost someone. No, I'm still here. Go right ahead. Well, we just had about. 15 seconds of dead air. Well, hey, it's, 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 (laughs) gosh, man, if you made it this far, you gave us a little grace. So we'll just keep going. Okay. What's next? All right. Give what's next. All right. So, uh, I loved watching Ohio state get run off the field by Oregon. That, that was the last game I wanted to look at. Ohio state gets run off the field by Oregon. Anytime Ohio state loses is a good game. That's all I have to say about that. See, and you asked me this year when we did our uh, playoff predictions, I didn't have Ohio State. And you said, no Ohio State. And I said, no. I, the quarterback position concerns me right now with them. Yeah. Yeah, it concerns me too. So I think I have a feeling Ohio State, that, that might not be their only loss. I bet somebody, I bet I bet Penn State could pick them off. I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa gets in a dogfight with them, you know, muddies that game up. So. so if you look at the rest of the Big 12, Texas Tech barely beat Stephen F. Austin. Woo! 28-23. Was that the final? Yeah, 28-23. Oklahoma State had trouble with Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Again, Tulsa gives them fits every year. Every single year. Uh, Oklahoma put up 76 on Western Carolina. That's not even a state. That's not even a state. No, it's not. I stole that I, joke from you. I know. Kansas State beats Southern Illinois 31-23, but as we said, Skylar Thompson is looks like he's out for the season, so that all of a sudden slows that down. Well, um, unless you're TCU and get beat by two true freshmen last year. Yeah, that happened last Will year. Will Howard and Deuce Vaughn. Will ha- oh, don't mention his. Deuce, In Deuce Fort Worth. Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn is going to get at least two defensive coordinators fired this year. <laughs> yeah. Or, maybe or, Will, maybe Will Howard will, too, if he, if he gets another, what do you call it, a 98-yard run on TCU? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know he will. Uh, uh, West Virginia beat Long Island 66 to nothing. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling that, um, you know, Neil Brown is safe for one more week. And hey, th- you can laugh at this. Coastal Carolina 49, Kansas 22. Coastal Carolina, of course, is 17. Uh, that they actually put up more of a fight than I thought they would. I, I think Kansas, you know, yep, 22 points. So hey, that game last year was the reason why everyone started talking about Coastal Carolina. They kind of, Put a whooping on Kansas, and they kept winning after that. And by you know nine ten game of the year, not tenth game of the year, everyone's like, Coastal Carolina's for real. They got that quarterback. Yeah. Did you, did you see? Um, you know, we talked about Kansas State. They beat Stanford pretty handily last week uh, in the opener. Did you see what Stanford yeah. did to USC? Oh, they annihilated USC. I can't believe Clay Helton still has a job. Yeah, completely yeah. destroyed them. So. Yeah. It's kind of like it's it's tough to well this team beat this team this so you can't really get a judge of of how good some of these teams are and did you notice I can't believe we didn't talk about this Duquesne beat Ohio I did Duquesne beat Ohio it's a you that's know, a D one school that's, that's a, a FBS D1 that's an FBS program it's another FCS team that has gone and beat an FBS program. Yep. And we were just talking and about last week how they couldn't tie their shoes. They couldn't tie their shoes. The other FCS team that beat an FBS team, Jacksonville State, Ugh. on the last play of the game, beats Florida State. <laughs> Florida State Man. drops to 2-0. Oh. You mean 0-2. Oh. oh, yeah, to 0-2. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, sorry. Florida State drops to 0-2. Jacksonville State, uh, I think it's in Alabama. Jacksonville State, or is I figured it'd be in Jacksonville, Florida. Florida. (laughs) Well, let's let's hold on. Let me ask Jeeves here. Let's see where they are. Remind me to never choose you for a city is (laughs) located where college located where. Except you got me on Duquesne. I did. I did get you on. I think you got me on the stadium, but not the location. I knew they were in Pittsburgh. Where are they? 
Jacksonville State is in Alabama. Oh, okay. Well, I take back everything I said, and I'll go ahead and start eating my crow. Yep. Yep. Well, let me tell you, that's not a good look. And I noticed one of the commitments they had, Chris Parsons, I only noticed this because TCU TCU, uh, had offered him, and I think his tweet was like three dots. (laughs) (laughs) After that game, it's like, oh, man. And everyone, oh. you know, of course, all the fans start tweeting out, "Please don't leave us." This and that. Please don't leave me, man. Yeah, look at all that playing time. We need you, man. Yeah. We need you. But talk about just a lackluster defensive effort on that last play. Oh, I mean, man. the safety from Florida State. I mean, he he looked. I mean, he was just waiting for someone else. It's like I don't even want to say it because it's it's almost it looks so bad. It almost looks like he had money on that game, and it's just no <laughs> no no defensive effort whatsoever. And you got to think. Man, he got drilled in the in the film meeting on on that game. Like, where's your effort, kid? Where where are you? Where's your will to tackle that guy? And uh, the only guy that had any will to 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 make a play was the Jacksonville State receiver on that play. You know what it reminded me of was, I think it was the last. No, it was the second to the last touchdown that TCU scored against Texas Tech back in fourteen. Ty Slanina took a slant and just sprinted into the end zone, 40 yards probably. And the, whoever that poor D-back was from Tech, he just like turned and jogged two steps and then just kind of stopped for about 20 <laughs> yards. And I was like, that that's exactly what that reminded me. I was like, well, I guess I could – I got to pretend like I'm trying. That's what it looked yeah. like. So. Yeah. But that oh, – man. man, poor Chris Thompson. TCU alum, Ooh. Chris Thompson. I know. Your he boy Norvell. Pretty- your boy Norvell. Molly talked Norvell. him into – coaching with them and look at what's going on. Hey, they fired Willie Taggart after a season and a half. I I don't know what they think Mike Norrell's going to be able to do. So, I mean, how do you get past losing to that program? I know. I mean, it's I mean, it's, you, it's a bad nightmare. I mean, it's You don't a, even know where Jacksonville State is. So, I, I mean, that's I how bad that is. You did know? you see the did you see the gif going around of the cheerleaders reaction after <laughs> after that game? That was great. You need. Have you seen it? Yes. And then there's a part. Scott Van Scott Van Pelt tweeted about it. But there's a part where there's it says touchdown in the bottom. And for you guys that haven't seen it, these Florida State cheerleaders, especially the dude, just has this amazing shock look of shock on his face. And then on the scroll at the bottom, it kind of it pans in and. Where where you have ouch and touchdown, that's all you see is ouch. <laughs> As these kids are walking, and oh man, yeah. Hey, TC fans think they got it bad, Jeff. I know bad. they do. They think, hey, we're not losing to Jacksonville State with a bunch of four stars on our team. You know, that's all I have to say. Yeah, TC fans, you're not Texas. You're not Florida State. Yeah, um, you're not Ohio I'm, State. Yeah. <laughs> be glad. Be glad that. Your program's two and zero right now. Yeah, be glad that your program. Quit thinking yeah. about well, what if, we can't play like that against so. Just worry about worry about the present. Just win by two, baby. That's all I have to say. Uh, all right. Well, we've got a bye week this week. I think the frogs will hold their own against bye. We'll see what comes from there. Um, but we'll we'll be back and running here, especially wrapping up the SMU game in a week or so here. So. Hopefully the Frogs can um, rest up, learn a little bit. Max can connect on the deep ball, get a few players back, get a little pass rush. You know, the, the season starts in earnest two weeks from yesterday. SMU is, is going to be a challenge, and then we go right in to the University of Texas. So we'll see what, com- we'll see what comes, my friend. We will see what comes. Well, everyone, well, thank you for listening to this episode of The Frogcast. Track us down on your podcasting app of choice. Give us a rating and a review. We would love for you to spread the word. Share us on social media if you find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Easy way for more people to find out about all the inside information and game recaps that you will want to talk about each week, especially during the football season on here on the Frogcast. If you haven't yet, go to hornfrogblitz.com, subscribe to our website. We would love for you to be a member of our board, everything that's going on inside the program, and uh, maybe recruiting will be heating up here. Before you know it, you're going to want to stay connected to Horn Frog Blitz for everything that's going on inside the program, the most connected community to what you need to know about being a Frog fan. So until we get together again, for Daniel Southern, for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. 
of the Frog. 